Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm joined by Tim Fiore, who's the committee chair from the Institute for Supply Management, talking about the manufacturing report on business. Tim, thanks for being with us again. Yeah, good to see you, Tim. Good to see you. How was your Thanksgiving? Excellent Thanksgiving. Excellent. Good. Good. Uh, how do you feel about the report? Equally excellent? <laughs> I feel really good about it. So oh, good. I started this thing off at 10 o'clock this morning and, you know, a flat number month to month at 46.7 wasn't that inspiring. But the five sub-indexes that make up that PMI number did a significant shift between October and November, all for the good and, and as expected. So let's let's uh, let's take it apart a little bit. Your you know your listeners and watchers know that I I look at this thing from a demand an output and an input standpoint. So let's talk about the inputs first. They were a wash, you know, between supplier deliveries and inventories. They offset each other. So it was a zero gain for the month of uh, November. So the story was really in demand, and it's in the output side. So the demand side, we actually saw a decline in new orders, but not as much as we did in October. The new order number actually came up a little bit. It's still south of 50, 48 and some change, but that's a lot better than where it was in October. I think it was 46 or 47. So, so that's good. It kind of indicates that buyers and sellers are agreeing to go ahead and place orders and refill that order book. I think part of that had to do with the fact that lead times, although they're not at trough levels, they're acceptable. And we had pricing at a level that was acceptable also uh, and, and, and especially in light of the fact that we've got, you know, very dynamic energy markets. So I think that caused buyers and some buyers and sellers to agree and start to place more orders. Plus, you know, if you're going to build stuff in January, February, you better get your orders in. You know, yeah, right. it, yeah, it's getting late. So, okay. I think that was a good thing. The negative side was on the output side, but I don't think it was negative because what you see is you see production coming down from the 50 point, 50 points is last month, pretty much. We came down one and a half points, I think it was. Let's see. Hold on a second. Let me get the numbers out here. We came down 1.9 points. All right. That's very consistent with what we thought was going to happen and that our panelist companies are right-sizing their output, which means they're reducing their output compared to where it was in the first half of this year and probably even Q3. We, we felt back in June, July that this is what was happening. We saw an initial flurry of layoffs occur. And in fact, that's what what's happening. So it's not automatically it's, you know, it's one it's one point five points off of last month's output, which is, you know, single digit kind of decline. Uh, I think that's very good. So it means our panelist companies are right sizing their output consistent with the demand, most likely for the next six months. So the other piece that came down was on the employment side and, it, you know, which mean, meant that people were releasing more people which I think is very good too. I think we're overstaffed. We have too many people on our payrolls for the, the next 12 months worth of demand, especially the next nine months. And therefore our companies have had to release people. We had a one-to-one hire to force manage ratio in the month of November. That means in the comments section for every person hiring, who is one person releasing people either through freezes, attrition or layoffs. And that's the strongest number that we've had since I've been tracking that back to 2020. So I think that's a very good thing. We need to release people. The best way to do it is through attrition. People quit, don't, don't replace them. This way, nobody has any real dislocation in their lifestyle. 
The worst way to do it is through layoffs because you got to surprise somebody and tell them at the holidays that guess what? You don't have a job when you come back. And, and by the way, here's three to six months of severance that I'm going to pay you that you know nobody's really thrilled about. So attrition and freezes is the best way to get headcount down. When you have to act quickly, you use layoffs. In the month of November, we had pretty much an even mix between layoffs and attrition with freezes being a, a, a tertiary activity. But we had more layoffs in October from the standpoint of the tool than we had in November. So uh, to me, that means the companies are feeling better at attrition down. We also had quits rates declining too, which I think is good because that says that my employees have decided they're going to stay with me because it's way too risky to get out there in the market and be the last one in and maybe be the first one let go. So the summary on this is it's the same PMI number, but the five sub elements, especially the three that I just talked about, uh, changed significantly and they changed significantly for the better. So I think it's a good report. You know, this is part of the problem of a soft landing. You never really know when you've gotten to the bottom, although I think we're at the bottom. I've said, I think we're at the trough for the last four or five months. I think we're still at the trough. And I think we're at the low end of the trough. I don't really see us going lower. It's possible, but probably not highly likely. So, but when are we going to recover? If I look at it just purely from a manufacturing calendar standpoint, then I would say that March is the period that we'll start recovering. Because, you know, December is not a big manufacturing month. January is a, okay, it's really cold out. Let's clean the shop floor. Let's get ready for 2024. So February is the first time you start to see some activity, really, and, and, and more importantly, March. So we may not see a PMI number above 50 until March. We're 13 months into a PMI contraction. We've had five other contractions in the last 20 years. Four of those lasted five to six months. Only one of them lasted longer, and that was 18 months. That was the Great Recession. You would expect that with the structural problems that occurred around the Great Recession, this is nowhere near the Great Recession, but we're starting to push the time frame of contraction consistent with the Great Recession. But this is nowhere near that kind of an event. This is the, the price of a soft landing. If we had a hard landing, it would have happened six to nine months ago, and we probably would be growing out now. But we, we were in a soft landing, which is a much easier thing to do, harder to architect, but easier to survive through. And that's kind of where we're at. Jim, I did get a question from one of your report readers and one of our viewers about the industries that are contracting and those that are expanding. If those are listed in the order of contraction and the order of expansion. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, the worst or the best are first. Yeah. That's how okay. we list. But as far as industries are concerned, there are three industries that are still driving this number. Uh, as I mentioned last month, it's computer and electronics. It's one industry. It's the biggest industry. And it's running now at about a 40. That's, you know, that's like alarm bells. If the PMI was at a 40, I'd be really nervous. Our number one industry sector is at a 40. So, wow. And where is that going to end? Not very clear. Machinery, big capital intensive industry sector, white goods, yellow goods, you know, uh, miscellaneous, you know, a lot of stuff in that. A lot of that is capital intensive. People have to invest and they go into that sector to get the equipment. That's sagging too at a low 40s. And then fabricated metal products uh, is the third. It's our number seven industry sector. Computers is number one. Machinery is number six, five or six. 
in fabric cases is number seven. That's sagging too. Part of that could be because of the auto strike, uh, but that also feeds machinery, it feeds, feeds computers, and it feeds transportation equipment. So those are the industry sectors I'm watching. I'm also watching chemicals as one of my canaries in the coal mine early indicators. It's above 45, but it's not above 50. So until that thing gets above 50, we're probably not going to see a lot of activity in the PMI uh, above 50. I, I, I honestly think that chemicals has to get above 50 first for the PMI to probably get above 50. Jim, the uh, auto industry just went through a strike. They're now, that's now been resolved. How long do you expect the hangover to be, even though the chip issue has gone away? You know, I think they probably had a three or four uh, week delay in startups in those factories that uh, were impacted by it. it you know, it wasn't 100% of all the, the, uh, the big three factories. It was Probably at the end, it was maybe what, 30%, maybe 30 or 40%. That Grand Prairie facility of GMs down in Texas was probably the biggest factory that was hit. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I think we're going to recover from that really quickly. I think the transportation equipment side is still, it's, it's acting differently than everything else because it's generally long lead time. It was hand, handicapped for about two and a half years. It did have the semiconductor problem, you know, most... Maybe not most severely, but most visibly. And I think there's a you have a replacement cycle in there that for if there's two years where you can't get equipment, you still got to replace that equipment when equipment becomes available, whether it's your own car, or whether it's a truck, or whether it's a train. So you have a it's a long lead, slow moving kind of. So I you know, I think we're not seeing dramatic numbers 54, 55, 56, but generally we are seeing transportation staying above 50. And I think it will stay that way for quite some time. I don't, I don't think transportation is going to take a big hit uh, if it does until 2025, 2026. Okay. Uh, imports and exports, how are we doing? Sluggish. Uh, comments around exports are you know, people are not optimistic about demand coming back in Europe or China. They're seeing some signs of improvement, but not dramatic. Uh, that's about 15 to 18% of uh, U.S. manufacturing gets exported. And those markets are pretty much uh, closed off. So that's a headwind for us. I don't see that changing inside of three to four months either. Okay. Imports are consistent with the desire to maintain liquidity and keep manufacturing inventories low. You know, we, we saw a little bit of a gain here or a, a slowing and decline on the manufacturing inventory number. I think that's positive. I don't think you're going to see that number get closer to 50 until probably February and March. But you know the manufacturing inventory number clearly has upside to it. If the question is when, and the same thing with supplier delivery number, that's got upside to it. The question again is when, and I don't think those are going to show up in a positive fashion until probably end of the first quarter. So yeah, we've seen imports, and you know who knows in the end. Remember, we measure month to month. So right. if you're in, if you're uh, nearshoring or reshoring a bunch of stuff, you know you'll see a, a one month hit on that, and then it'll go back to fifty. But there's a lot of stuff going on here about bringing stuff closer to uh, the point of use, uh, whether it be nearshoring or onshoring. It's definitely happening. Uh, it'll be interesting a year from now to kind of look at import numbers and see where they were uh, on a percent of output basis compared to where they were back in 2018. Uh, so it sounds like it's a good, strong report. There's no uh, serious alarm bells in this. 
Um, uh, to me, that's very encouraging. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think the 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 only uh, alarm bell here is prices, and uh, you know we you saw the uh, the PPI come out. You, you saw the PCE come out. I think the PCE came out at about a uh, annualized three percent. I think it was. That's the Fed's favorite gauge, and that's the uh, the the core. You know, not food, not energy. So, but they're still fifty percent off from their target. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a long way. So, but I, I think the problem with prices is going to be the energy markets that 1 million barrels coming out. Uh, is anybody going to replace that so that we don't see a, a, a volatility in the energy markets? And cause that drives right into surcharges for transportation. We kind of see that almost immediately. So, uh, I think that's probably the, the thing to watch in December, January is what happens to that prices number. I don't see it going down in the near term. So is it down low enough to, to meet everybody's expectation? I'm not sure. I mean, we got steel at $1,000 a short time in a soft environment with a factory plant utilization at about 73 to 74%. So that's how the steel guys are doing it. They're keeping capacity out to keep prices up. Right. So, you know, and if there had been a hard landing, they wouldn't be able to do that. So, you know, you probably would see prices drop faster. You'd see lead times come down quicker. But with a soft landing, you've got more levers to push and and it impacts everything. And that's that's kind of where we're at today. Uh, talk about inventories. I see a lot of comments from the respondents that they are cutting inventory to the bone. Yeah. So, you know, we've on this call, uh, we've been talking about the, the greater supply chain inventory, which includes over ordering, includes customer inventory, it includes manufacturing inventory at our panelist plants, and it includes inventory at the suppliers. We've been very active all year in managing that entire greater supply chain inventory. I think we've done a really good job. So by now, the over ordering is pretty much behind us. We've cleaned up that all that off book inventory that you know, was a risk for everybody, it's kind of gone you know, with, a four, with a 40 backlog and backlog contracting for 14 months, that overordering should have gone away. So then you look at our customer's inventory. Well, they've got, they're on the high side of just right or the low side of too high. So that avenue is shut. That's, no, that's full, can't touch that. Nobody's gonna wanna touch that. Then you look at our manufacturing inventory and we're low, we're very low. We've been very good at not taking things that we can't convert. We've been continuing to take inventory out. We're now sitting at nine months of contracting in manufacturing inventory. That's you know really good for our panelist companies, not so good for their suppliers. So what's happened in the month of November, for the first time I've seen this, I had a number of comments about suppliers approaching our panelist companies about taking early deliveries. So this is the only thing that we really can't see in the PMI is what inventory is sitting at the supply base. The only way you can kind of see that is fast deliveries. The faster deliveries, the more inventory they probably have. So we're sitting at fast deliveries. And yes, in fact, they do have a bit of inventory to the point where they're asking their partner companies, uh, customers to take inventory early. Now that in, early might be taking it in December rather than January. It might be taking February's inventory in December. I don't know that level of detail, but the fact that I had a number of companies comment about some of our suppliers were asking us to take deliveries early indicates that there is some excess of inventory out there in the supply base. And you know, that's, I think in, in the big scheme of things, that's kind of where you want it 
because the supply base is the closest to the mill. It's the closest to the true raw material. And, and there's, it's, the, it's the least amount of value add in the entire value chain. So if you're going to hold inventory, that's kind of where you want it. Suppliers don't want it there. But if you're looking at it economically, if you're going to hold some amount of inventory, if it's that, at the supplier level, that's the best place for it to be. Now, in the third quarter of 2023, we saw a 4.9% GDP growth. Big, strong number for the USA. Um, but we're not seeing it in manufacturing. Manufacturing isn't showing recovery. Any idea what's going on there? Any insight from your report? Well, you know, the, the number was revised up two days ago to 5.2. Okay. <laughs> Huge number. Yeah, you know, it's all services. It's not manufacturing. Remember, we're only 10, 12% of, uh, of uh, US GDP. And we probably impact maybe 25% of the service side. So we're still not the, the majority of the economic activity in the US. But, you know, all that stuff that you've seen is coming out of the service side. I mean, it's, and, and the way they measure the elements, you, you look at it, it's all, it's travel, it's entertainment, it's food and beverage. It's that kind of stuff. So we're, you know, we're in, in, we're uh, impacted by that through processed foods and stuff that gets consumed. Our food and beverage number is actually doing pretty good. We're in a, we're in their season now. They're probably running at 52, 53, 54, maybe. So we get a benefit of that. But you know, all that's in, it's all in the service sector. It's not here in manufacturing. Remember, we're, we lead in and we lead out. So we led into this thing and we're leading, we'll be leading out of this. The question is, when is that going to start? And right now I would have to say it's probably end of, end of Q1 next year. Okay. Well, at least we're not leading in deeper. Right. I do not believe that we're leading in deeper. And I think <laughs> the only way that that would change is if you saw a half point or a one point increase in, in interest rates. And I don't really see that happening. Uh, on the other hand is, you know, if you had a huge amount of federal stimulus, and remember, we're in an election year here, we're coming into it, and you never know what happens with that stuff. I mean, part of our pain here was from the stimulus back in, was it 2021, a trillion and a half or something that most of us in manufacturing said, we don't need this. It's only going to superheat things, and it did. So we don't need that again. You know, the infrastructure money and the chips money is slowly making its way in, which is good. It's all good stuff. Um, but that's long term. It doesn't. That's a three-year kind of investment for it to show up. Now, in uh, about 15 days, we're going to be talking to you about the semi-annual forecast. So I just want to give our listeners and viewers a heads up on that. That's a pretty powerful report on what's happened over the last six months or a year and what's likely to happen through about May of next year. Is that coming along fairly well? Yep. I, I love the forecast because it gives me some boundaries and it allows the panelists to give me their predictions of where they were in the month of, in the year 2023, how they ended the year, they do an estimate of the actual performance, prices, headcount, revenue, and then more importantly, they do a prediction for 2024. And we, we generally do it by six month increments, the first six months, the second six months. I honestly think that we'll get, again, come in this year with a weaker first six months and a stronger second six months. I don't think we're gonna be significantly weaker than the last six months of 2023. I think we're kind of looking at probably a fairly stable first six months of next year. Stable meaning 
gives and takes. You know, like I said, I think we'll get above 50 probably by March. Uh, but I think the second half of the year will be forecasted to be stronger. Uh, I'm very interested in, in the hiring plans, the wages and benefits number, as well as the prices number. So we'll, we'll all be very interested in all of that. On the prices side, we started the year with a prediction of about 8% growth. When we did an update in May, that turned out to be 1.5% by the time we got to the end of the year. So I'm curious to see what 2023 really did compared to December of 2022. That's going to be a very interesting number. It's probably, probably somewhere around 3 or 4%. Okay. Are capital expenditures holding up? No, I think they're uh, I think they're weak. I think people are waiting. There, the the uncertainty is there. I mean, if you're looking at a bond expiring in 2024, and you're looking at taking a a three percent, three and a half percent bond and refinancing it at seven or eight, that's that can't be a happy time. So <laughs> you're not going to be inclined to increase your funding needs in an environment where you know you're going to pay a lot more for it. You're going to think twice about it, maybe even three times. Anytime you make a capital investment, you think twice. You think three times. Right. It's a it's a very arduous process to get to that decision to go ahead and make that commitment. It'll be twice that amount of pain this time forward because of the uncertainty. And then I think that uncertainty is not going to go away until we see interest rates come back down. And that's anyone's guess. I understand Chairman Powell was on this morning. I'm I'm curious to catch up with that to see what he has to say. But I'm yeah, sure he's not he's not going to forecast. Hey, we're we're coming out of this thing. And he's not no. going to say we're going to make further cuts. He's going to be, he, he's probably going to be doing the same kind of thing that I am, which is, hey, we're kind of in the trough here. We're not sure when it's coming to come out. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think you're right in terms of, you know, if I'm sitting on a uh, autom automobile in my driveway and I got a 6% loan, am I going to go out and trade it in and get a 9% loan? Uh, you're right. I'd think about it three times. <laughs> you're going to think about it three or four times. Yeah, that's real money because it's it's what you're paying out of pocket every month. Not and that's the key. And and the prices of cars are not coming down unless you're buying an electric vehicle, which apparently there's some demand issues there. Yes, yes, that's kind of gone quiet. Tim, thanks for joining us again. Is there anything else you want to add in wrapping this up? No, I think it's uh, so. You know, summary on this thing. It's a good report to, uh, we're not closing the year, but we're getting close. Next time I speak with your viewers, it'll be January. Uh, like we talked about, the forecast is coming out in a couple of weeks. Very anxious to get that and couple it with what's been going on on the PMI. We'll talk about that in our January, uh, December PMI in early January. We'll talk about the relationship between the two. Uh, even though we were flat at the low side of where the PMI has been, uh, I still think we're in the trough with the low side of the trough. I think the, this month's number is a higher quality number than the month in October. And it hits the expectations of where we thought this was going to head. I think it's consistent with uh, declining in output, uh, a, you know, not a big decline, but a decline nonetheless. You know, I think the headcount is being uh, relieved, which means people are taking steps to ensure their profit plan gets met, which is very good. And I think you know we're waiting for more demand to show up and hopefully this month, uh, will be followed by another month of maybe a 48 to 50. And then hopefully by the time we hit February, we'll see that number get back to 52 to 54. Encouraging, Jim. Thanks for being with us again. Okay, Tim. Thanks, everybody. Have a great holiday season and speak with you in January. And for those of you watching, if you would like to subscribe, please do so or like the show. We appreciate you uh, catching up with us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. 
Thanks for being with us. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please like and subscribe, share on social media, or leave a review. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Rumble, or your favorite podcast app. Visit us online at mfgtalkradio.com for our other episodes. We have also included links to our advertisers below. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.